0: Good morning everyone, uh, those of you who are visiting us this morning, my name is Jonathan, great privilege of uh, sharing today's word and leading this congregation together with a group of elders, and um, as we're just settling in, I want to thank our team for leading us this morning, Skalk and the rest of the band. That was powerful, just leading us to turn our eyes and focus on Jesus. Um, before we get into the sermon, there's a couple of things that I just quickly want to do as a spiritual family. Uh, those of you who have children, especially on, at school, will know at our kids' ministry and our youth ministry today, they are handing out something specific, and just Praying for them for exams, because um, those of you who have kids in that phase of life will know that's the big thing happening in homes this morning. But as we pray um, for children, I want to acknowledge parents as well. No, it's uh, not always the easiest and the funnest moments in parenting, Um, but you have a vital role to play, not just in helping your children learn and study but to trust God in that moments, to raise them in that moments, to become the men and women that God created them to be. So if you're a parent that has a child that is writing exams currently or in the next couple of weeks, would you quickly stand? That can be like a grade four or a student doing a master's degree. Okay. And If you're sitting close to someone, let's just stretch out our hands. We want to bless them as parents, as families, and Father, by the authority that you've given us in our Lord Jesus Christ's name, we just come and bring families and children and parents in front of you. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful ability to be able to study, the ability to grow, ability to invest in children, ability to help them become the men and women that you wanted them to created them to be. But Lord, I pray that you would grace parents to do this with the wisdom and understanding the grace that is from you. That they would do this not from their own strength and their own understanding and own ideas, but that you would really in this season just bless them with a the peace on their lives and that their children will benefit from the peace in their lives. That their children will benefit from the wisdom that you give them as parents. And Lord we pray a blessing over this season of exams. May it be a great season. May children flourish in this season. But may parents also get a glimpse and insight as to who you've asked them to raise. So, Lord, we just speak a blessing, peace, and joy over every parent represented this morning. And may you protect and lead these children and families. In your name, Lord Jesus, and all of us say, amen. 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 So as you know, or as you might know, uh, we're busy with a sermon series called Values. And throughout this sermon series, we're speaking about the values that we hold on to as a church. Because values are important. Values determine, to a large extent, the way that we live. That what you hold as valuable and important will determine the decisions and sacrifices that you make. So that what you value will influence the way that you live. And during this sermon series, we're specifically focusing on what are the things that we believe God has called us as a movement to value. Not just as a Willow's congregation, but as an every nation movement. What are the things that should guide us and lead us and guide us, which should determine our decisions as a movement? What are the things that we value? And we're speaking into the five core values that we have as every nation. And we've already spoken about lordship, And then we spoke about evangelism, discipleship, and this morning, we're speaking about leadership. But I want to use the opportunity not just to speak about leadership, but also to acknowledge some of our leaders and to remind us of the church um, who's our leaders. So we have different leaders in our church, and you can um, imagine, if you say one of our core values is leadership, that we're very intent on raising leaders, So we're not not just putting people in positions of leadership to do certain functions. We want to raise people as leaders. And almost everyone that I'm going to share with you this morning is is not full-time ministry. Yes, there is full-time ministry staff that gets paid for a certain function. But most of the leaders that we try to raise in our church is people like you and me. That become the men and women and function and do that what God has placed on their lives For the season. So, therefore, if you're part of our family, you would see sometimes there's someone else preaching. Not because myself or the other preachers are lazy. We want to raise people to become the men and women that God has called them to. We want to see them step into that gift. If you do some of our trainings, you will see it's not the same people teaching every time. We're raising people. So you might sit in the training, you might go. Oh, I don't know if that guy knows what he's speaking about. Probably not, because he's nervous. It's the first time he's doing it. But we're raising them. Because the next training, you might be the first one. You might be the one doing it for the first time. We're constantly encouraging people to reach out to friends and start the discipleship groups that we call connect groups. Because they were leading people, normal people like me and you, stepping into a function where we influence others influence circumstances. So we're a church that raised leaders. But this morning, I wanna again just acknowledge some of our leaders. And I can't acknowledge all of our leaders this morning. Um, but I wanna start off with our eldership. And I wanna ask if they are here, that they would just quickly stand. I know some of them are there at the back with their children. But we are currently have five eldership couples in our church governing our church. They are primarily responsible for listening to what is God saying to us as a church. This is the responsible of eldership is to govern and lead. And we have some amazing leaders in eldership. If you don't know them personally, I really want to encourage you to try and get to meet them and hear their hearts, people that love Jesus, that is not elders out of position, but something that God has placed in their life as calling. And you guys know that I deeply appreciate all of you, just the way that you're serving and leading us at church And I want to use the opportunity. Would we please just, before we give them a hand, would you commit to pray for our leadership? Would you commit to pray for our elders as they really carry you in their prayers? When we gather as elders, we are mindful of what God wants to do to us, which includes you. So, would you pray for us? Would you pray for our families? And can we give them, all of them, a hand? Thank you. Apart from our eldership, we also have ministry leaders. That's people that lead specific ministries in our church, things that we value, things that we think is important ministries that helps us do what God has called us to do, and I don't have the time to run through all of the names and all of the functions, but you would know we have different ministries like our worship service, our pastoral ministry, our discipleship ministry, um, and in that ministries there's different leaders as well. So within our pastoral ministry, there's leaders leading our premarital, there's leaders leading marriage in discipleship, there's people leading the zone and etc and etc. Et but this is people. That goes, we want to take responsibility for this area where God wants to work. Apart from ministry leaders, we also have department leaders. Um, Now, department leaders are the people that's primarily responsible for what happens here on a Sunday. Things doesn't just pop up. Our department leaders are the ones that make sure that our kids are ministered to. Make sure that afterwards there's a coffee and a friendly face. They are the ones that make sure that when we gather, we're able to gather in such a way that we can put our focus onto Jesus and not be distracted through the things that need to be done. I want to thank all our ministry and department leaders this morning. So if you're leading a ministry and department leader, would you quickly stand? And can we give all of them a hand? Thank you for the way that you're serving us as a family. Thank you that apart from having responsibilities, maybe with family and work, you still make time to sacrificially lead in this area. And may God really grace you and bless you as you continue to lead. Deeply appreciate all of you. Thank you. Now when you think about leadership, What comes to mind? We can say as a church, we value leadership and we raise leaders and leaders, this is our different leaders, but when you think about leadership, what comes to mind? Leadership is a loaded word, it's a loaded concept. Immediately just asking, What do you think about when you think about leaders? You're thinking on good leaders, bad leaders, good examples of leadership, bad examples of leadership, books that you read about leadership, the five steps to be a great leader, the seven boundaries not to um, expose and manipulate people, um, five things to avoid in leadership. There's just an enormous amount of teaching and training on leadership. So what comes to mind when you think about leadership? Because it's one thing to say, we value leadership. We need to be clear, what about leadership do we value? I can be very pedantic about uh, some of my electronic stuff. I'm just going to be really honest. You can ask my wife, she'll, she'll affirm this. But Stuff like my laptop, my cell phone, my watch, I'm really, really pedantic about it. There's certain things that I want them to look like and uh, uh, treat it in a certain way. Uh, so one of the things that I do, I regularly change the screen covers on my devices, uh, simply because I want to protect the screen. I want to. Uh, it's something that's important to me. I'm not judging people who've got cracked screens and those kind of things. So <laughs> it, it, it's fine <laughs> if you're happy with that. But for me, uh, I, I, I'm just pedantic. I can't tell you why. It's just important. So regularly, I change the screen cover on my devices because I want to protect the screens. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I changed the screen cover on my watch. I use it as a running watch and it's just got a lot of like, um, scar- scratches and stuff. And So I'm changing the screen cover. Um, when they, I went to a store, but they do it for me because I want it to be done well. And uh, when the guy... I got my watch, he said, oh, it's a new watch, and I felt, yes, no, it's not, it's not, but that's just, after a year and a half, that's a screen cover for you. Um, so he puts the screen cover on, and like I said, I want it to be done well. That's why I went to the store. And later that afternoon, I, I look at my watch, and I see here in the top, in the, in the right in the corner, there's this small air bubble. And I say to myself, don't make a big thing about it. (laughs) It'll be fine. If you just, you just need to rub it out, you know, massage it out. Just get that bubble out. So I'm sitting there and I'm just massaging the bubble out, Um, which will be fine. Next morning I look and this thing has grown. Now I'm starting to get agitated. Now I'm starting to make plans. How can I get this bubble out? And I'm just doing things. And long story short, this thing just keeps on growing growing and growing and spreading across the screen. And eventually, this air bubble becomes so large that it starts to lift the screen off my watch. And I had to take it off. I was super frustrated. But thinking about that reminded me that's leadership. Not the frustration part. This bubble is a metaphor for me for leadership because leadership can mean a lot of things, but ultimately leadership is about influence. This bubble just spread and spread and spread, so much so that it brought change to my watch. Leadership can be a lot of things, but ultimately it's about influence. Influencing people, circumstances, And outcomes. So are you an influencer? I want to suggest this morning that as followers of Jesus, all of us are called to be influencers. Not social media influencers. Influencers of relationships, circumstances, people and outcomes. I want to suggest this morning that as a follower of Jesus, all of us are called to be leaders in a society. That's what we value. And this, today we're going to try and explain what does it mean to be an influencer or leader in the kingdom of God. We're going to do it. We're going to read from Mark, Mark 10. If you have your Bible with you, please go and turn to Mark 10, verse 35 to 30, 45. Super glued this. Thanks for the water. <laughs> um, Mark 10, verse 35. We're going to read together. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you to. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to Jesus, grant us to sit, one on your right hand and one on your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? And just listen to their response. They said to Jesus, we are able. (laughs) We're your men. Lay me arm open, Jesus. And Jesus said to them, "The cup that I drink, you will drink; and the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared." And when the ten heard this—that's the other disciples—they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, that's now all the disciples. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be a servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray together. God, as we turn to you this morning and wanting to learn what it means to be a leader in your kingdom, what it means when you called us to lead, Lord, I pray that you would, strip us from all our preconceived ideas of leadership, Lord. I pray that you would strip us from all bad experiences and good experiences of leadership, Lord, and that you would lead us to your word, what you say about leadership and what you called us to. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would use your word and the power of your spirit to come and shape our hearts and understanding of what it means to live as leaders in your kingdom. And that you would help us, Lord, not just to get an understanding of what you've called us to, but to live according to that calling. Lord, we submit our minds, our hearts unto your word, and we pray, would you lead us in your truth? For your name's sake and your kingdom. Amen. So what's happening here? Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. This is close to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And Jesus has already warned the disciples three times that going to Jerusalem, he will be captured and crucified. He will die. Three times he's already warned them there's something going to happen in Jerusalem. There's going to be a, a form of a culmination of his ministry. The last three years has been building up to this moment. And he warns them. And he's going to die. But for some reason, the disciples do not fully comprehend this. For some reasons, the disciples know that they're going to Jerusalem and they're going to face some opposition. But they, expecting, they are expecting the Messiah to rise up. And they expect that something is going to happen in Jerusalem. And now Jesus is going to act like the Messiah. Meaning, he's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to rule. Now all the prophecies of the liberation that will come through the Messiah, the leader that will rise up from Israel, will now come to being. And Jesus will in some way or another take authority, and there will be a throne of authority, a kingdom that rises rise up in Israel. And the Messiah will rule and liberate Israel. That's what they're expecting. They know something's going to happen, but they're expecting the kingdom of Jesus, the Messiah. And James and John comes to Jesus, and they ask Jesus with this mindset. And they say, Jesus, when you rule, when you rule, would you give us positions of power and authority? Jesus, in your kingdom, would you give us positions of power and authority? Would you make us leaders in your kingdom? We want to help you. We want to help you govern. We want to help you influence and establish your kingdom on earth. Would you give us positions of power and authority? Jesus, what they're saying, Jesus, if you make us leaders, we'll help you. Give us positions. And then Jesus responds to them. Now notice, Jesus does not rebuke them for wanting to be leaders. Jesus is not saying this is a bad aspiration to be a leader. But Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Your understanding of my kingdom, your understanding of what it means to be a leader is wrong. You don't know. What you're asking. You don't understand the kingdom that I'm establishing. And you don't understand what it means to be a leader in this kingdom. And then Jesus goes and he tells them. He teaches them. He calls all 12 of them together. Why? Because they're fighting amongst each other. Peter heard John and James want to be the leader. They go, No, you're not. I know you. You're not worthy to be a leader. And they start to fight amongst each other. They become indignant towards each other because all of them want to be leaders. All of them are looking at each other and say, you can't be the leader. There's judgment taking place. And Jesus calls all of them together and he says to them, I'm not going to teach you what it means to be a leader in the kingdom of God. Verse 42. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. See, there's an earthly way of leading, but you should not do it that way. John and James asked Jesus, for positions of glory. They want to be number two and number three in this kingdom. Worldly, loo- <laughs> worldly, <looders>. worldly leaders <laughs> rule and lord from position. Worldly leaders strive and aspire to position. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a leader. I want to be really cl- clear. What's the motive behind it? Is it to rule? Is it to be seen? Is it for glory? Is it for significance? Worldly leaders aspire to position of power to rule. Their leadership, their influence is based on their position. If they were to lose their position, they would lose their influence. Leadership in the kingdom of God is not about position and glory. Leadership in the kingdom of God is not even about authority and power. Jesus says they use their authority and power. See, authority and power should not be used to manipulate and control people. It should not be used for personal gain and personal benefit. Our influence is not based on power and authority. Just looking at these two descriptions of what leadership in the kingdom of God should not be, we can, I think, acknowledge in South Africa we see a lot of leadership that's built around position, power, and authority. Leadership that's for selfish gain. Jesus says, it shall not be so among you. In my kingdom, this is not the way that we lead. Now, if leadership is not about position and glory, it means that our leadership is not determined by the position where you find yourself in life. Your influence is not determined by your position. Meaning you don't have to be in a leadership position to have influence. Where you are, you already have influence, whether you know it or not. Acting and doing something influences the people around you and the environments around you. And similarly, doing nothing also influences it. Either you're affirming a culture or you're changing a culture. But you're influencing because leadership influence is not based on position. Sitting here this morning, you need to know you are influencing. You're either contributing or you're changing. You're either contributing towards the culture in your family or you're changing the culture of your family. You're either contributing to the culture in you're your workplace or you're changing it. Influence is not based on position. Influence is not based on power. So your influence is not determined by your ability and your strength. You don't have to have everything together. You don't have to be at the peak of your performance to have influence. Because influence in the kingdom of God is not based on authority and power. It's not your strength. It's not your ability. So what is the kingdom? Leadership. Jesus says to them, whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what it means to be a leader in the kingdom of God. Influence in the kingdom of God. Is about serving and humility. Now, I imagine James and John being really discouraged and disappointed in hearing this. I just imagine them coming to Jesus, asking them for positions of authority and power, and then hearing Jesus say this and be really discouraged and disappointed. Because let's be honest. This doesn't sound very attractive. Come and be a servant. I'm going to establish a new kingdom, and in this kingdom, you can be a servant. It's not very attractive. It's not very aspiring. You would say, some people would say, leadership is inspiring people for change. This is not very inspiring. Come and be a slave. Oh, sign me up. You can imagine being discouraged, despondent, because it's not attractive, it's not inspiring, and it's not appealing. See, where worldly leadership positions is appealing, there's something that you benefit from this. What Jesus is suggesting is not appealing at all. Come be a servant and a slave. Even hearing this today, it can feel overwhelming and unfair. You might be sitting here this morning and you're saying, I'm already not getting to everything. I'm already being pulled apart by all the demands of my life. I'm already struggling to do and be everything that everyone is expecting of me. I'm already feeling as a failure as I'm not making it. And now I hear if I wanna be something in the kingdom of God, I need to do more. I have to serve people. I'm already struggling. I'm already tired. I already don't have time. I'm going to do more. It feels unfair. Who will serve me? I'm doing all of these things and I'm, I'm trying my best, but who's going to serve me? If I'm now called to be the servant and serve people and give more of myself, who's going who's to serve me? Who's going to look after me? Why must I give up my rights? Why must I become a slave? Listening to these words, it might feel and sound as if it's God's will for us to become subjected and exposed to the will of people, just become a slave of people. This is not very attractive or inspiring. But Jesus uses two very specific words when he speaks about servants and slaves. Two words that he uses Diaconos and doulos. Diakonos means anyone who performs a specific service for the benefit of someone else. It emphasizes what a servant do. It's to be like a waiter, you serve people. Anyone who performs a service for the benefit of someone else. And Jesus says, you are called to be a servant. You're called to do certain things in the kingdom, but you're also called to be a doulos. Now this word doulos can also be translated not just as slave, but as bond servant. Bond servant is a powerful word. It's a word that's used to describe someone that willingly gives up their rights to become a slave for someone else. Bond servant's it's acknowledges people that goes, I am not the owner of my own life. I give my life and I dedicate my life to the service of someone else. Dulos emphasizes who you belong to. So when Jesus asks us to be diaconos and dulos. He's not asking us to do more. He's not asking us to subject ourselves to the will of people. Jesus saying to his followers, saying to us, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, if you want to do great things for God, if you want to influence the kingdom of God, if you want to be a leader in this kingdom that I'm establishing, You need to have the attitude of a servant of the king. You need to have the attitude of a bond servant. That your life does not belong to you. It belongs to the king. It's not do more. It's not be more. It's not everything that you think you need to do. It's not subjecting yourself to people. It is, I am first and foremost a servant of the king my life do not belong to me it belongs to the king it's an attitude that you enter into relationships with it's an attitude that you enter your workplace into it's an attitude that you act in at home i am a servant of god and i act out his will in the way that i live my life do not belong to me it's not about me it belongs to a king In this kingdom. If you you want to influence the world, you need to become a servant of Jesus, bond servant of God. Meaning you need to live in obedience to your master and act out the will of your master to the benefit of others. You need to live in obedience to the one who owns your life and act out their will towards others. Because this is what Jesus did. Philippians 2, we see a description of Jesus. Verse six to eight says, he, that's Jesus, though he was in the form of God, Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus was first and foremost a servant of God before he served people, his service was unto God. And people benefited. He was obedient not to the will of people. But obedient to the will of the Father. And people benefited. And we are called to do something similar. We are called to serve God. Act out His will. And walk in obedience. And it would be to benefit of others. God responded to the pride of sin. With the humility of Jesus. God answered the rebellion of our human hearts with the obedience of Jesus. This was God's answer to influence and change sin, humility and obedience. If we look towards Jesus, how can we not have the same attitude? If God used obedience and humility to change the world, to change eternity, to change lives radically, how can we not embrace the same principle, the same attitude? Jesus became a servant of God. He acted on God's will, and he lived obedient towards God to our benefit. He became the ultimate influencer. Through his serving and obedience, he changed everything. He changed the world. Think about this. No no one else in the history of mankind has had a bigger influence on the world. No historical figure has had such a lasting impact and change on the world. Jesus his life and what he did changed the world. But it didn't just change the physical world and what we do today. He changed eternity. He influenced that what ends with this world. He influenced eternity. He influenced death. Before Jesus death was the end. Death was something to be feared. But Jesus changed our view of death. Now death is just the door that we walk into the next life with God. It's not something we have to fear. Think about the power and authority that Jesus showed through humility and obedience that he can change the view of death and the power of death. Jesus changed. He influenced purpose and meaning of life. And Jesus changed people's lives. And he's still changing people's lives. He's still changing the world. He's still changing circumstances and outcomes. And as we serve and obey him, he uses our lives to influence the world. We need to recognize this morning. We don't influence the world. Left on our own, we'll deviate towards positions of power. Left on our own, we'll do things to be recognized and seen. Left on our own, we'll use our position in fortunate ways to gain spers- for sp- personal gain. We might try and control people, control environments. Left on our own, we will lead like the world leads. So how do you become an influencer in the kingdom of God? You position yourself in such a way that he influences through you. You position yourself in a place of humility and obedience so that God can minister through you. That's what it means to be a leader in the kingdom of God. So you walk in a situation representing God, representing his will, and you say, God, what do you want me to do Yeah. How do you want me to respond? How do you want me to act? And as you do that, God will bring change. Sitting here this morning, do you know that God wants to use you? Do you know that Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you can experience not just a freedom and relationship with him, but that can, you, you can be a servant in his kingdom? Sitting here this morning, you are representing people and places and environments that God has called you to. And God want to manifest His kingdom in those areas, and those relationships. And He wants to use you. See, our lives are like this air bubble. What you do, what you say, the way you act might feel insignificant. But if we create room for God, if we create space for God, if we serve Him and we obey Him, He is the air in that bubble. And if we just are willing to create that space and serve Him and and obey Him, He will move and He will spread and He will influence people, circumstances, and societies around us. Because God wants to bring change, and God wants to use our life to influence and establish His kingdom. So, as we conclude this morning, when we say we value leadership, we say we value God. And what he has done so much that we're willing to become servants and bond servants for God in his kingdom. That's what it means. We're not striving for position. We're not striving for authority. We're not striving for uh, recognition and acknowledgement. We say we are willing to become servants and bond servants of the king of this kingdom. So that he can rule. So that he can lead so that he can govern, so that he can change. And we help others do the same. It's not just us, we're gonna serve. I help my wife to become a servant and a bond servant. I help my children. I help my work colleague. I help the people in my connect group. I help others become leaders in the kingdom of God with the attitude. To serve the king. And through serving the king, we'll serve people. God has a heart for people. It's an attitude to say, my life do not belong to me. It belonged to Jesus who paid the ultimate price. We choose to live in obedience to him, seeking his will and acting out his will in order that he may use our lives. To influence people, circumstances, and outcomes. It's an attitude where we say, May your kingdom come and your will be done. As we serve God, as we obey Him, we will see God change people, circumstances, and outcomes around us. So, are you an influencer? Are you positioning yourself in such a way that God is influencing through you? Because Jesus didn't stop. Jesus didn't stop changing people and changing societies and circumstances. He's still busy. He's still doing it. Are you positioning yourself in such a way that he does it through you? Are you a servant? Are you living with the attitude that my life belongs to the king? And I'll obey him regardless of what he asks. Before I end off for us this morning, I want us to just briefly reflect. I'm going to give you a moment. If leadership is not bound to position and ability, it means that any one of us, when we are willing to follow, obey, and trust God, can be leaders. So where has God placed you? Where's the areas where God has called you to lead? If you can, would you just make a list? Where's the areas where you're influencing? as you're thinking through these areas that you want to ask the question am i seeing change in those areas there's an area God has called you to lead but you're not seeing change in that area the most important question we can ask this morning is God how should I serve you how should I serve you in this area what are you calling me to What, what area am I am I not obedient in what am I not doing what you're asking me? because if we position ourselves as servants bond servants of god he will influence through us so can we take a moment and ask god what are you calling me to do in this area how do you want me to serve what way should i be obedient you have a real desire in your heart to be used by God, to do great things, to see Him come and change and influence that area where you are finding yourself in, would you pray with me? God, thank you that you've already done everything that is needed. Thank you that I may experience your grace and mercy and love. But God, I want to acknowledge this morning that you've called me to act as a leader in your kingdom. And Lord, this morning I want to say again, Lord, I choose to be a servant acting out your will I choose to be a bond servant to seek your will above my own knowing that my life does not belong to myself and I ask God would you use me may your kingdom come and your will be done my life. Father, as we commit ourselves this morning unto you, Lord, we do this from the knowledge that you've already done so much. We, uh, it's a response to who you are, Jesus. It's a response of knowing that you are the one that changes environments. You are the one that changes people, Lord, and, and we just want to serve you. We want to give our lives to you because of who you are and what you've done. And, Lord, as we do this, Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, give us strength. Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us courage to act out your will, to walk in obedience unto you, Lord, so that you will be lifted up and you will be glorified and that people will experience you, not us. Lord, would you help us to live lives of serving and in humility for your name's sake and your kingdom. Lord, it's about you. It's not about us. And Lord, would you protect us against our own prideful hearts, trying to become leaders for personal gain, trying to find significance in what we do and trying to control our environments and the people around us, Lord. And we just lay that down in front of you, Lord, and we say, Lord, we trust you. Help us to live according to your will obedience to what you've called us to. We love you, Lord. And Lord, may we see how you use this church to bring change in the world. May we see how you use this church to lift up your name, Lord. And may other people get to know you because of the servants of this church. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in your wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So as we end off this morning, may you act on that what God has called you to. And may you go into that area and serve there what Jesus has asked you to.